One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Off Topic Hot Topic, a bonus episode of the Hunting Seasons podcast. I'm Damask Leary. I'm Broderick Gordis. I am the danger. Off Topic Hot Topic. Uh, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Before we get into things, you should know that we love getting topic suggestions from our listeners. So if you'd like to contribute a question, topic, or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so by emailing us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or tweeting us at huntingscast, just like listener GJ Corbin did. They submitted this story for us from Joe Otteson at Variety, the boys spin-off near series order at Amazon, with Lizzie Broadway and Jazz Sinclair joining the cast. Uh, Damask, have you watched the boys? I have, yes. I've watched it all. How do you feel about the idea of a spin-off of The Boys? Only after two seasons at this point. Third season is incoming. Mm-hmm. Um, this is sort of Amazon's, seems to be their premiere show at the moment. Mm. Um, they have, I think the season two is apparently the best um, show, sorry, best uh, launch for a TV show they've ever had, basically. Oh, cool. uh, anything that's Amazon original anyway. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't mind it. The wor- There's so much there to explore in the world. I think even in the, the primary story that we get in The Boys, there's some characters that I'm like, eh, I wish you could just get rid of these people. Um, but there's certain like political stuff going on, um, ideological stuff going on that is really interesting and fun. Um, so if they can branch off and make something else in this sure. world, I'd... I'd Definitely check it out, that's for sure. So, apparently, the what this series is going to be about, set at an America's only college exclusive, exclusively for young adult superheroes, the Untitled series is described as an irreverent R-rated show that explores the lives of hormonal competitive soups as they put their physical, sexual, and moral boundaries to the test, competing for the best contracts in the best cities. How's that sound mm, to you? Arousing. Sounds very interesting. Like a <laughs> yeah. superhero version of like, I don't want to say the OC or something like that, but something along those lines. Mm, I was thinking that. Um, yeah. Or any of you know those shows like Are You The One? Sure. Or <laughs> Love Island, that kind of thing. But you, they have superpowers. Yeah, Too cool. hot to handle. Yeah, I'm into but it. But with superheroes. Yep. I think JJ sent that in because they've been watching the boys recently mm. um, and probably wants us to review it. And we probably should, really, because uh, it's you know, obviously a very popular show now. It's getting its third season and a spin-off soon. Mm-hmm. We'll probably get to that one yep. day. Thank you, JJ, for your submission. And if anybody else has any topics or stories like us to talk about, please contact us. We'd love to include them in a future off-topic hot topic. Uh, in other headlines, Loki has a series premiere date on Disney Plus of June 11th, as we- you probably know by now. Falcon and the Winter Soldier premiered last week on March 19th. The Black Widow movie was just announced to be releasing in cinemas on Disney and on Disney Plus on the same day um, on July 9th. That will be Disney Plus's premiere access where you pay an extra 30 or so dollars for it. Mm. Um, this is also true for the 101 Dalmatians live action prequel Cruella starring Emma Stone on May 28th. It actually happens before Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Curiously, Pixar's next movie, Luca, is going straight to Disney Plus at no extra cost with no apparent theatrical release at all on June 18th. Is that internationally? 
Well, we don't know about Australia yet. In fact, okay. friend of the show, Cam Williams, is trying to fight, figure that out. But we're not hearing mm. anything at this stage that's definitely releasing in theatres here. Certainly not in America. But it's weird. I mean, I don't hate getting a free movie. True. But, but I would like to watch it at the cinema. I yeah. would like to watch it at the cinemas. I'm quite excited about Luca. Mm. And, like, the reason I bring this stuff up is because Disney Plus is obviously relevant to us, the TV and so forth. But now these these movies keep coming our way via the streaming services as well. The, the Pixar's this will be the third Pixar film in a row that's just gone straight to Disney Plus for free. Mm. And then these other movies, first were skipping theatrical release but had the premiere access thing, but now they're going to do both. I don't understand why the, the Pixar ones aren't. It's a very st- interesting situation. Do you, so you don't have any theories? There was a theory I heard that had, might have something to do with the back end. The amount, because Pixar is kind of an offshoot of main, main Disney, right? Mm-hmm. That maybe there's something about the amount that Disney has to pay Pixar off ticket prices when they sell them at the, when they, when they go to the theatre, basically. Right. And that by having them release and not charge them for it, mm-hmm. they don't have to pay Pixar that amount. But I don't. that seems like a shitty deal for Pixar. Why would that be something that Pixar's into? I don't. I have no yeah. idea. Mm. It's fascinating to me <laughs> this is happening. Anyway, uh, in similar news, Paramount Plus has announced that films Mission Impossible 7 and A Quiet Place Part 2 will land on the streaming services 45 days after their theatrical release. I'm so disinterested. Sure. Mm. In those movies, sure. Yeah. But, again, this is continuing a trend because Warner Brothers, who controversially has all their major films of 2021 releasing simultaneously in cinemas and on HBO Max, have Mm. indicated they will similarly go to a 45-day cinema to streaming gap in 2022. So, it looks like the future is, no matter what, there is going to be a very short window between mm. going to see a movie at the theatre and watching on streaming, if there is one at all. Yeah. How does this feel to you? This seemed inevitable that, uh-huh. that the the pandemic has sort of just fast-tracked this change. It's happening really quickly, though, yeah. whilst things. How does this make you feel? It's certainly making it so that going to the movies is something for people who... Um, you know, are are film nerds or are going for the experience of sitting in that room and those speakers and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think 95% of people will just wait the 45 days and aren't, unless it's something they really love, but those people are generally nerds anyway, aren't going (laughs) to be like going out of their way to pay blah, blah amount to go to the movies. Because like you say, it is like... It's kind of a shitty experience if anyone else is in that cinema. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, going to the cinemas is not always the optimal experience. Again, a conversation that I saw Cam Williams having online yesterday that I pitched in a little bit. It's expensive if you mm. go with multiple people. If you're a family, you know, in Australia, it costs you close to 80 bucks. That's before buying any food or anything like that at the cinema. Yeah. You aren't guaranteed to have a good time because who knows who's going to be around you with phones and stuff like that. Um, people talking, people rustling bags people, who knows what, Mm. then you've got just whether the experience is going to be good at all. Theoretically, a cinema is meant to be the best experience because of the big picture and the big sound. But I've had times I've gone to the movies to see huge movies and they're Mm. out of focus. (laughs) And it's like, if they can't even get the basics of showing me the film right, Mm -hmm. like why am I paying a premium to go and see it that way? Plus I have to hit that. It's not a convenient time, you know, whatever it might be. So I'm really worried about the future of cinema. 
like cinemas yeah. as places that we go to see things. Mm. It feels like we might just be left with boutique cinemas that get, mm-hmm. you know, access to films we might not otherwise see, sort of, you know, Oscar yeah. bait films or or going to see, go to IMAX maybe to go and see like the latest Avengers film. Mm. But otherwise, you know, Mission Impossible 7 is going to be out on streaming services. Am I going to go to the movies and see yeah. that? I can imagine people paying like... $80 to go to the the opening night of say a big Avengers thing. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a big special occasion. Sure. Everyone pays 80 bucks. That happens a few times a year. And then yeah, you'll just have your Oscar movies in there. I wonder also like the power of reviews are going to be more powerful than ever mm. because if I know this thing's coming to streaming relatively soon, and the film is only middling, yeah. I'll just wait 45 days. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I might have still gone to the movies with a friend or something like that, just as you know, a reason to do it, mm. even if it was a middling film, especially if I knew it was going to take a while. I, was gonna, you know, I, would, I might miss out on something. But unless the film is definitely exceptionally good, I, can't, I can see myself waiting no, very frequently. You can't justify spending like 25 bucks. Yeah. 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 It's interesting change. Speaking of Paramount Plus, they had a huge series of announcements recently, just after we recorded our last off-topic hot topic, actually, including they'll be hosting the Pablo Schreiber starring Halo series based on the uh, Xbox series of games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Originally, it was announced for Showtime. That's going to Paramount Plus. The final season of Younger will be on Paramount Plus. I believe that is a Hilary Duff series. Is that right? It certainly is. (laughs) I've never been able to watch it. Oh, really? I've watched bits and pieces of it. But there's just not enough Hillary to compensate for the ridiculous plot. They will be getting a new Star Trek animated show called Star Trek Prodigy. I don't know anything about that, but that's coming. Another Reno 911 revival, a BBC Butthead movie, a Workaholics movie, a 3D animated Rugrats revival featuring the original voice cast. How's that Have you seen you? clips of that? Yes, it I have. It looks disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I'm not super sold on that either. But most notable of all... A new Frasier series. So, this mm. is not, at least it hasn't been announced as being, like, called Frasier, as in a reboot or, or a continuation of the 90s sitcom Frasier, mm. um, but is about the same Kelsey Grammer character, Frasier Crane. My guess is it will be called Crane, and the last line of the finale will be, Cheers, Frasier Crane, as they cheer him on and say the three tiles of the three shows he's existed in that character. Uh, Brilliant, but Brad. <laughs> <laughs> just put that prediction out there now. Yeah. So, in 10 years and that turns out to be true, mm-hmm. you can all say Brad said it first. Um, oh, wow. It's amazing that you think it's going to last 10 more years. <laughs> yeah, 10, 10 is probably unlikely. Uh, I, I, any excitement for this? You're a fan of Frasier at all? I know you're not a fan of Kelsey Grammer. No, I'm not. <laughs> um, I, I haven't watched Frasier since it was airing on Australian television. Mm. As a nine-year-old child, I was unimpressed by it. Um, and I have no desire to try and rewatch it, is how I feel about Frasier. Though I know, like, you and a bunch of the boys fucking love it. And I saw I, someone- I, I'm not going to say I love it. I I do like it well enough. Mm. I think it sits in a, um, a weird place where I... Used to one of those shows that'd be on, there'd be like three or four episodes in a row on like after 10 30 at night. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in my bedroom, I've got access to my own television, and I don't know, I'm a teenager, I don't want to get to sleep. Mm-hmm. I'd watch four episodes of Frasier in a row and have a little bit of a giggle at it. 
You know, it was funny enough to me at the time. Amazing. But I do, we have friends who adore that mm. show. It's like their happy place, that yeah. show. Yeah, no, not for me. <laughs> but good for them. I don't know how I feel about coming back. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd be fascinated to see what it looks like, how many of the characters are going to be returning characters, yeah. whether um, uh, his brother, Niles, and I think that's right. Yes. And Daphne and those characters will be coming back or not. Yeah. Whether it'll be a whole new thing. I think I've heard rumors the original pitch was he was going to move to another city <laughs> right. and sort of restart again. Probably not be uh, the radio host. Mm, probably not relevant anymore. I'm yeah. thinking podcast. Yeah. I could definitely see podcast. Mm-hmm. That could definitely help yeah. uh, happen. Well, I just, I was having flashes to the Will and Grace, you know, they brought back. Yes. And they were doing, you know, pretty similar things than what they were doing back in the day. Um, and it's just like a different landscape for television. So it, it feels, you're like, okay, this is fine. It's just like watching Old Will and Grace. But do I really want to be dedicating my time to this type of TV anymore? Sure. Not so much. I think also you just hit a point where you emotionally like might miss a show, but you've mm. moved on. Yeah. And you like, ah, oh, it's a shame there wasn't more of this, but then do you really want Yeah. I'm more having of to go now? back, have a giggle at something that's older and be like, this is funny, but it's definitely a bit naff. Yeah, I don't need it updated. Thank you. Uh, in very big news, Nickelodeon announced the launch of Avatar Studios, mm. which will focus on the creation of content related to the world of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra with creators Michael DiMartino and Brian Konetsko at the helm. This news comes after Brike stepped away from the Netflix live-action series remake of Avatar The Last Airbender on, yes, on Netflix, as I said. The first project under Avatar Studios will be an animated theatrical movie that's set to begin production this year. What are your initial thoughts, Damask? Oh, sucks to be Netflix. Because, like, <laughs> the reason to watch their live-action Avatar was because, well, we're not getting anything new from that universe mm-hmm. and the creators are attached, so fuck yeah. The creators left and I was like, well, I guess I'll probably check it out just so I have something in that world to watch. But now I don't need it at all. I can just wait for this new stuff to come out, which I'm very excited about. What are your initial thoughts, Brod? Um, it was so frustrating. We recorded our Off Topic Hot Topic last time mm. and this news like uh, like the next day yeah. came out. <laughs> so you, yeah. you're getting a cold take now because it's been a month since mm. this news was announced. Uh, but my general thoughts are this is the best news that could possibly happen. Mm-hmm. There is nothing- it's like Christmas for you. There's nothing I want more mm-hmm. than just more animated content from the world of Avatar. Mm-hmm. It appears that Avatar and Korra making it to Netflix got a huge revival, a mm-hmm. massive boost in popularity and fandom, and that's been enough for Nickelodeon to say, yes, we want more of this, please. Idea of an animated theatrical movie, whether that is some tale retelling of the original series, which I hope it's not. I hope it's a mm. an extension of either Aang or Korra's story. It sounds Excellent. Whether it's an Avatar 1 story, whether it's Kyoshi or Roku story, I don't care or know. I am in for whatever it is. And then that we're probably going to get another series out of this. Again, whether it's an extension, whether it's a story of a different Avatar from earlier or further into the future, whatever. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what the announcements are. It, That's going to be a fun day. You yeah. could, could tell me anything. It's more Avatar... It's more Aang. Great, I'm in. I'm more Korra. Yeah. Great, I'm in. It's got to do with this other avatar. Great, I'm in. <laughs> Literally anything. And it's an animated series or movie. I'm, I'm there. Yeah. This world is way too interesting and I'm way too invested to not, yeah, 
fucking yeah yes yes thank you this is so much more exciting to me than the like the live action series had me excited that people who maybe weren't interested in watching an animated series would get to see this story or yeah. it would help people to come around and watch the animated series and discover it that way and that more people would just basically have eyes on Avatar. Yeah. Didn't need that. It just needed people to watch on Netflix yeah. apparently. <laughs> and now that that happened and this is the result, it is the best option. This series has always deserved more. Very exciting. I'm so happy for it. But it's a long way away yet. I'm not getting too excited. I, I can't f- wait for more merch. The me too. <laughs> me too. Like, I just want, I know there are like upper plushes out there, mm-hmm. upper, upper plushies out there, but I want to be able to walk in to like a big W and yes. buy an upper plushie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, buy- you got me an upper plushie. I uh, did I? Yep. I packed it the other day. I was like, oh. gave a little kiss and a cuddle and I, I put it in I I did that. Why didn't I get myself one? Um, <laughs> yeah. Like stuff, like, yeah, go into a Target and buy a shirt yeah. with Aang on it. Like, mm-hmm. fucking. Yes, please. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's very exciting, but he's a long way away. Way away. I hope that this year we might hear at least what the movie is going to be, just a title, basic outline of the plot, because mm-hmm. that would that would be helpful. Uh, some renewal announcements: Hulu has renewed Animaniac, the Animaniacs revival series for a third season. Uh, it's only released season one so far. Season two is yet to air. Uh, last m- month we discussed. All of the CW shows that got renewed, which was basically all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we can now add to that list the just debuted Superman and Lois, um, which is now officially getting a season two as well, surprising no one. Other announcements. Party Down is getting a six-part limited series revival 10 years after it originally ended. I didn't know this. Yes, Damask. Uh, wow. it's I'm not sure it's an announcement announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, this is something they're working on, actively working on at okay. this point. Right. Um, but it seems pretty legit. Are you a big fan of Party Down? I, I mean, I haven't watched it in years, but when I watched it, I was like, this show is fucking great. I really, really enjoy it. It's very funny. The cast, when you look back at the cast, you're just like, what? Well, it's incredible. Yes. That it ever happened. Um, and sad that it was so short lived, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this do you think and so we just we just talked about the mm-hmm. idea of like bringing back Frasier very yeah. very different show this show was ahead of its time though sure so I feel like now is actually a perfect time for it to exist absolutely I've only seen the, the pilot I quite liked it yeah. I will definitely get around to watching the rest of it before the new season comes out whenever that is mm. uh, Peacock has given a straight to series 10 episode order to Poker Face <gasps> An hour-long mystery drama created by The Last Jedi and Knives Out director uh, Ryan Johnson and starring Natasha Leon. What's it about? Uh, we don't really know. He has said um, Johnson will serve as the creator and writer uh, and director of Poker Face. He describes it as a type of fun, character-driven, case-of-the-week mystery um, that he grew up with. I mean... I love them both, so I'll definitely fucking watch it, without a doubt. Yeah. That's super exciting. He's never... I mean, he has directed TV, but he's never been a creator behind television before. He's directed some incredible episodes of Breaking Bad, most notably. Ozymandias, possibly the best episode of television I've created. Um, And so, this is super exciting to me, and I love Natasha Leon. So, you know, count me in on that. Yeah, I can't really imagine it being bad, but who knows? Yeah, like Knives Out proved that he can do sort of like a murder mystery Mm -hmm. type thing quite interestingly. I'd be interested to see his take on... He has a way of deconstructing or approaching genres from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. So, while I'm sure he will lean into the fun of like a Columbo or a Murder, She Wrote type thing as well, I can also see him 
doing something a bit fun and different with that concept too and yeah. finding a way to flip it on its head. I mean, let's do it. I think it's exciting. Poker face. Must keep an eye out for that. HBO has announced three more Game of Thrones spin-off series. Joining the already announced House of the Dragon and Tale- Tales of Dunk and Egg are Sea Snake, Flea Bottom, and 1, 000- sorry, 10,000 Ships. How do you feel about the announcement? There are now five HBO, uh, five Game of Thrones spin-offs coming to HBO. I am shocked. <laughs> shocked by this. Do we know anything about like showrunners or not? Not a lot's been announced. I think there was someone attached to Sea Snake, um, but Flea Bottom and One Thousand Ships don't have anybody attached to them creatively mm-hmm. at this point. Um, right, 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 right. Um, so I've got two thoughts. So on one hand, I just think of how much that brand has been tarnished and diminished in the last few years. Yeah. That to continue invest money in that is a big risk that I'm surprised that they are willing to take. Um, but I also recognize the reason for that brand being in the toilet. Sorry, that's my little dog pill. Um, that brand being in the toilet is because the last showrunners did such a poor job towards the tail end. So that's not to say that shows within this world can't be really good and won't have people tuning in week to week. Because I think there's certainly a possibility for that. That's that's kind of where I'm at. It's like I don't I don't think these shows can't be good shows. Mm. Can't be quality television. I'm just shocked that HBO is willing to expand that much. It seems like H- HBO is looking to try and recapture mm-hmm. you know what made that show so popular because it was so big for them in doing so. And and investing in it like it's the MCU mm-hmm. with all these spin-offs, but I don't know if they understand why it was working when it was. I'm not I I think they're getting way ahead of themselves. Yes. Seems like a massive mistake to me because I'm the same as you. It's incredible how little the since the finale, how little of a cultural impact or how quickly its cultural impact just disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know what I don't hear people say anymore? Winter is coming. Or like <laughs> any anything like that. Mm. You know? Occasionally you'll get a little like Vala Magul. I don't know. Little but the one point in time it was captured it was everyone's everywhere. collective yeah. consciousness. The amount of Game of Thrones t shirts walking around. Yeah. They're yeah. not anymore. And yeah. it has just plummeted. And if yeah. the show had a successful ending, that wouldn't have happened. There would have been all these ideas of rewatches and like going back through it and things would have stayed alive with the show afterwards, but it had such a crappy ending it just like evaporated. Mm. It's quite incredible how So it I guess it depends if they're yeah, who they're willing to give the opportunities of show running, something like that. And where their focus is going to be, those showrunners. Whether it's going to be in character or Big action sequences. I'll be honest, 10,000 ships. Not promising in my mind. <laughs> um, in some casting news, we were speaking of Natasha Leon earlier. Schitt's Creek star Annie Murphy is joining the cast of Russian Doll Season 2, which I believe is currently in production. So excited. So excited for that. Yeah, Russian Doll Season 2, just in general, I'm excited mm-hmm. for. Uh, Annie Murphy joining, though. That excites mm-hmm. you? Yeah. I think I'm in love with her. <laughs> yeah. I thought about it. I am. You thought about it now? Yeah. Took you two seconds to decide. <laughs> uh, Eddie Falco of The Sopranos fame has been cast as Hillary Clinton in Impeachment American Crime Story. How do you feel about that casting? She's way too old. That's how they cast it. For the impeachment? Yeah. Yeah. Back in the 90s? Yeah. Yeah. 
It's a Ryan Murphy show. Anything goes. That's true. <laughs> just, they'll just slap a wig on her. But there you go. Yep. You're done. That's, That's exactly what I'll be. Classic Listen, Ryan Murphy. She's a great actress. So I am. Oh, I've no doubt the performance is going to be great. But that just seems. Uh, alongside Clive strange. Owen, I believe. Clive Owen was the one who was cast as. Um... Right. Maybe I'm thinking Edie Falco is older than she is. How old was she in The Sopranos? Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe like, she was. I feel like she was probably Hillary Clinton's age, approximately, when she was doing The Sopranos, as like as old as she was Hillary Clinton at the time. You gonna do a live check for me? So she's 57 years old. How old is Hillary Clinton now? Now, let me find out. <laughs> let me Google. 57 years old. So 20 years earlier, she would have been 37 when she was doing. Oh. Okay, not off, actually. Oh, okay. So, I guess Hillary just looked really good. Um, so, <laughs> Hillary's 73, so she would oh. have been, yeah. Okay, in the ballpark. Within 10 years. Yes, within okay, 10 years. Okay, we'll take it. We'll give it. We'll give him that. All right. Uh, Wallace Day has been cast as the new Kate Kane in the CW's Batwoman replacing Ruby Rose. Ruby Rose, sorry. This is after Javicia Leslie joined the show as the new Batwoman, Ryan Wilder. Uh, so, you were watching Batwoman for a while there. I watched maybe two or three episodes, yeah. It's more than me. <laughs> How do you feel about this news? They're recasting Ruby Rose's character of Kat, Kat, Kate Kane. Um, how do I feel about it? Well, because you sent me the article. I did. Because um, the the showrunner was like, oh, you know, I'm cognizant of the fact that I don't want to fall into like the bury your gaze thing. Which so, I think is very it's, good to be aware of yes, that. Yes, absolutely. Um. Yes, it's the bare minimum. Yes. Uh, and so she didn't want to write that Kate Kane died. Yeah. Great stuff. I then went on to read the plot of what was happening Spoilers in the show. Spoilers for Batwoman who anyone I'm not going to I'm not going to reveal it. Uh, I, I would like you to I'm going to say spoilers for Batwoman. <laughs> Skip ahead one minute if you don't want to hear. Yeah, the beginning of season 2. Yeah. Um and I didn't watch it, it's just what I read in the article. So, Kate Kane is, I believe, in a plane crash at the beginning of season two and is so horribly disfigured. You first see her all wrapped up in bandages and then she is revealed, I guess, the bandages are taken off and she has a new face, which I'm sure a lot of you will recognize from things like Days of Our Lives, lives <laughs> and Bold and Beautiful. And I was like, that has confirmed to me that this show is a hot fucking mess, which I will never watch again. <laughs> Um, I, I'm glad they are recasting though I think that's better than As you said Just killing off the character yeah. I don't think it needs A huge plot contrivance no. To explain it Just recast mm-hmm. Just say I'm back from being away for a while Yeah Or like I don't know A phone call Yeah That'll do uh, in a massive shock to absolutely no one at all, Evan Peters is set st- set to star in Ryan Murphy's upcoming series Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story mm. Who would have picked He would be cast in that I think Evan Peters is so talented. What do you think Ryan Murphy is using to blackmail him to continue to work in his stuff? A paycheck. <laughs> oh, money. Money, yeah. The classic blackmail. I think it's bribery yeah. rather than blackmail. <laughs> yes. Um, look, I can see him as Jeffrey Dahmer, but that's only because almost everything I've seen him in is Ryan Murphy's stuff and he plays a terrifying serial killer. So it's perfect casting. He must. I, I, it's possible he just enjoys being able to just let loose too. Like mm. he's in a Ryan Murphy. Anything you get to really like have a go at the scenery, camp it up, yeah, S- yeah. sink your teeth That's in. That's true. I, no, I just fun. like it was so nice to see him in. I'm not going to say other stuff recently. <laughs> I almost it was nice seeing him in other stuff recently. Um, well where he was. Thank you. Where he's doing something. 
different. I I I like the levity. But he was having fun in that too. He was. Like, I like the levity in that situation. Yeah. I know. I just want him to have enough time to go out and make some movies that'll get him a couple Oscars because I think he's fabulous. Sure. Uh, in cancellation talk, and actually related to Evan Pierce now, they see this as well. Pose is set to end after its mm. upcoming third season on FX. Um, its final season will premiere on May 2nd. So that's coming up quite soon. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Canadian uh, comedy Kim's Convenience is ending after its upcoming fifth season after series creators Inns Choi and Kevin White decide to move on to new projects. Kim's Convenience was originally renewed for a sixth season. So it's interesting that it's ne- they've now, now the creators are moving on, the studio has just sort of said, well, without them, we don't want to continue trying to make it. So we're That's not fair. giving you a sixth season. It sucks for the, I think, the crew and the actors though. Mm. Like they thought they had a job lined up for, you know, yeah, going forward. It kind of sucks that that's being dropped on them all of a sudden. So that's a shame. Have you ever watched Kim's Convenience? It is on Netflix here, I believe. No, I haven't. I've Have seen you? a little bit. No, but I see little clips here and there. People will post things on Twitter and stuff. Mm. And it looks quite good. I've been meaning to give it a go. Good. Seems good vibes. Good vibes. Killing Eve's upcoming fourth season, scheduled for 2022, will be its last. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Go on. well, we've discussed this previously because um, we had decided never to review Killing Eve again. Mm-hmm. Um, as listeners of the podcast will know, I loved season one. Season two, I was like, there's still hope. I was ugh, so young, so naive because <laughs> you were like, it's it's over, Damascus. I was like, no, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We watched season three and yes, my heart did break because I realized the show had turned to absolute shit. Um, and at that point, I... We'd both been too burnt. Um, but now that they've revealed that season four will be its last, we had a little chat and um, I think we've decided that we, we've we got to complete it. We may as well. We've got to complete we're the so series. Close. So we're going to review season four, So I, which I think will be fun, endings, even if it's terrible. Endings always fascinate yeah. me. And knowing I, I am relieved a little bit considering where they ended last season to know – it's not going to drag on much longer because I honestly don't think you could. No, uh, you've got it's got to reach reach a conclusion relatively soon. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's going to turn to a. Uh, it's already a mess that show. Yeah. So yeah, we'll come back <laughs> for season four. Hey, that's not until twenty twenty two anyway. So it's we're not you know we'll wait a while. Yeah. However, you should know representatives for AMC did say that they are working to develop a number of potential spin off ideas to extend the show's iconic universe. Iconic universe <laughs> of these words. two characters that are the only ones of note in this otherwise normal world. Well, the other stuff around it makes no fucking sense. I don't understand it's what so they mean by universe. Explained. What are they talking about? I guess they're talking about the what are the, what's the group called the Twelve or whatever it is. Uh, well, or you yeah, know sure. other other assassins. I don't know. Ah, the rich universe of assassins. The, the okay. stuff that they haven't explained at all with. Don't any- they understand that Killing Eve is just for like. Horny queer women. Yeah, they don't. They don't understand. They missed the point. This is the problem. <laughs> you can tell because of how they did season two and three. They don't understand what the appeal of their own show was. Yeah. Fair. They stuffed fair, it. Fair. Uh, in other news, Netflix reality shows The Circle and Too Hot to Handle are releasing weekly rather yeah, than all baby. at once in their second seasons. Mm, give it, it to me slow. Yes. It isn't. That this isn't that crazy for Netflix. Some shows from other networks do uh, release weekly already. I think Rick and Morty was releasing weekly at one point in mm-hmm. Australia, and The Circle season one did this as well. But uh, is this the tide turning for the binge model for Netflix? 
Hmm. I think it'll still depend on the type of show and the Definitely. type of conversations they probably want to have. Um, when you told me this, I remember thinking like, well, the most fun I have on Twitter is usually after watching a reality TV episode. So I'll go on after Married at First Sight. I'll go on after The Bachelor or Bachelorette yep. and just enjoy the conversation, the people just being mocked incessantly. Um, so I think so for reality TV shows, I think it's really smart. Yeah, see, I see it as because I'm not someone who watches reality that TV shows that much, but how successfully it's worked for Disney with The Mandalorian, mm, yeah, for same and same reasons as well, isn't it? Yeah. Right, the discussion and it takes over the cultural zeitgeist for however long yep. that series run is. It's such a relief to know once you've caught up with that week's episode, you're not going to be spoiled. Yeah. You're just going in and you have as much information as everyone else and you can participate. So my plea to Netflix is do the same thing with Stranger Things season four. I think that's smart. Because that's a show that it seems like ever season one was like, the thing about season one that was fun, right, is people were discovering it. No one expected it to be good mm. and then, or even realised it was coming. And then in a very slow year of summer blockbusters in, in the States, this thing just grabbed everyone's attention. We all got to it bit by bit. And then the conversation evolved from there. So it had a really great one that first season. And the second season came out, it was kind of not as good. It disappeared. I don't remember really anyone talking about the third season apart from the Never Ending Story song. In the like the last oh, episode, that's right. mm-hmm. but otherwise it wasn't. It didn't really get discussed that widely. Mm. Not like season yeah, like one never was. ending story, and then like the queer thing, and yeah. that was it. Yeah, and then otherwise, I my worry for that show is it's a show that does, could really do well with a weekly release mm-hmm. because people will talk about the ongoing the mystery, mystery and yes, that, like you're one hundred percent right. It, it it could work the same way that a Wandavision did, um, and that they are just. It might just slip under the radar and sort of disappear if it comes out, season four comes out and no mm-hmm. one's really paying attention. Well, thing like when Stranger Things came out, particularly in Australia, though I think this is true worldwide, um, there was certainly less must-watch bingeable shows. And yep. so I remember when Stranger Things came out, it was we were living together and we just popped it on your TV and we just, I think, almost watched the whole thing in Pretty one much. night. Because um, it's like you had to. You, um, that need to have to watch something so then you can talk about it the next day, I think, is lessening just because by the sheer amount of stuff out there, it's not yep. possible to really do that. Yep. So if you want to create that crazy buzz, yeah, I think you do need to release week to week. Yeah. I, I, I really, I can imagine they should do it. I just wonder if anyone's brave enough to do it at Netflix. Mm. They just haven't done it that way with any of their scripted stuff. Uh, WandaVision head writer Jack Schaefer revealed that she didn't intend for it to be announced that Tana Paris was playing Monica Rambeau and they would have been a big reveal moment in the show rather than something we all kind of knew thanks to casting and announcements and trailers. Mm. I thought that was interesting because it, you do think about the way her character is sort of introduced in episode two, mm-hmm. then stuff that happens in episode three, and then especially what happens at the start of episode four, <laughs> yeah. that... If we didn't know some of the information beforehand, um, then those reveals would have been extremely cool as they happened. They, in fact, were still cool the way they were, but they would have hit even harder. And it makes me think about because it did feel like I'm trying to avoid any spoilers here. By the by, episode four, episode five is when re- things really started to hit mm. because that's when most of the mystery was happening yep. or things we didn't know were coming started to come. Those first three episodes would have been way cooler with a little bit more 
oh my god, what the fuck? Yes. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I think the trailers. I understand the need to show a little bit to hook people in, mm-hmm. like just showing the sitcom stuff probably wouldn't have been enough mm-hmm. for a lot of people. But boy, if you'd somehow avoid those trailers and cast announcements and stuff, that was big stuff. Anyway, uh, finally, NPR's Planet Money did an analysis on the living standards of The Sim- Simpsons, which when it premiered 30 years ago was meant to represent the American middle class and determined that due to inflation, healthcare, housing, and etc., and Homer being the only breadwinner for a family of three children is basically unattainable in America today. Their current lifestyle on their on his salary yeah. in their sort of house where they live mm. is basically not attainable anymore. Well, I would like to know how much he would need to make in order to. So they did an analysis that he would on current day salary earnings he'd be earning about fifty thousand dollars a year. Yes, um, but how much does he need to make? I. I didn't read that far I would, into it. I would like to see that. Yeah, I'd be interested to know that as well. But it, uh, I think I think theoretically Marge would have to be working as well. Yeah. Um, at the very least. Mm. Just because, like, idea. you know, all the people about, you know, traditional family values and stuff, it costs so much fucking money to do that. Not that I don't think anyone really wants to. Um, but it's, yeah, it's unattainable. It's absurd. But good for them. What a... Great use of their time. (laughs) (laughs) You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Damask, what have you been watching? Oh, a shit ton of reality shows, Brod. So mm. it's time for reality check. Reality 
chick, 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 chick. Brilliant theme song. Um, so first up, first priority is RuPaul's Drag Race UK. Okay. Which had its finale last week. Oh. Uh, so spoilers, spoilers. Skip ahead if you don't want spoilers for Drag Race. This is season UK, two, UK, season two, that's it. Now, I wrote this immediately after I watched the finale. Um, so, I wrote, I need to preface this by saying I am not hating on any queen and I'm truly not. Bless them all. But I also need to acknowledge my heart, body and spirit when I say Bimini Bon Bulash was fucking robbed. <laughs> uh, as you know, they had to stop mid-production um, because of COVID, hit the UK really, really hard. I think the queens were gone for like seven weeks um, and then they, they came back. And when they did, Bimini won four out of the five episodes. Right. So she's fucking killing it, which was a great kind of arc for her because at the beginning, the first episode, she had to lip sync for her life, which means she was on the bottom two. And then the weeks went by. She got a little bit better and a little bit better. And then after lockdown, she was fucking killing it. Like she'd stepped up her game so, so much. On the show, her fashion was out of this world. It was so beautifully constructed, editorial, and goddamn breathtaking. If you're able to look at any of the photos of her outfits during this season, just like undeniably the fucking best. Um, She's a non-binary queen that had a quiet confidence that was fucking inspirational. It just made zero sense that she didn't win. Zero. Like, when the episode (laughs) finished, I was beside myself. And I just, I don't want to live in a world that doesn't crown Bimini. Even the way that the last episode was edited made you believe that she would win. Oh, okay. She got like, you know, a few more talking heads. Um, They really kind of followed her journey really well. In terms of, yeah, starting from the bottom and how she's kind of pushed herself, which is what the competition really is about. It's like, you know, in how many different ways can you be the best and push yourself and improve and be an inspiration to others? Which I think, I don't think you can deny that out of all the queens, she did that the best. But she didn't win. And I'm really upset about it. Yeah. How how I know you're not hating on any queens here, but mm-hmm. how did you feel about the winner? Were they deserving? In yeah, their own Lawrence way? Cheney is really really good. So at the before lockdown, he was winning a shit ton of stuff. I think at the end, Bimini, I think she might have had, f- yeah, she had four wins mm. and Lawrence had three. Right. Um, and he's really good. He's really funny. I don't love his fashion but i guess that's a personal taste thing um he had less of a journey in fact i think as the season went on you see a different side to lawrence that i think is less um regal as you want from a drag queen which was a shame um so that's what i find interesting it this is almost is this a failure of the show to to create or present the story that makes it make mm. sense. I, I mean, looking at it, I think during production, Lawrence Cheney was perceived to be like a real fan favourite, mm-hmm. like as filming was happening. It kind of seems like the editors um, and, 
in post-production they realised that perhaps may not be the case. Right. So I feel like you get this result because Rue clearly thinks Lauren Chaney is his favourite and is prob- probably going to be the fan favourite. Yep. Lawrence Chaney wins, who did great work. He really did. Um, but the story that the show is giving us is really yep. different, which is mm. confusing as an audience member. That, that's where I think where the edit, they've stuffed up. Yeah. They should, they should if, the, if they know what the ending is going to be, then edit to that. Yeah. Story, so you don't come away feeling like it should feel satisfying. Well, it sounds and like almost, it makes sense. It almost sounds like it felt like a little bit of a bait and switch to you because you felt like the way it was, the show was editing it, they were telling you what to yeah. expect. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so. Interesting. Yeah, it was a shame, but I will say I still think it's one of the best seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, cool. both US and UK. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out if you don't mind knowing who wins. Uh, what else have you been watching? Oh. Real Housewives of Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I've always enjoyed Dallas, not as much as a few of my faves, but that's because it's kind of one of the the newer franchises. But this year, it's a real shame because they've introduced a new character, new housewife, Tiffany, who's wonderful. Tiffany Moon's her name. She's a doctor. She's incredibly accomplished. She's hilarious. Uh, all the things, and she doesn't mind a bit of a confrontation, all the things you want in a housewife. Unfortunately, they've brought her in because an old housemate, housemate, sorry, housewife, <laughs> um, the the summer before shooting started or whatever, there was a video found of her or was released of her making fun of Asians or making fun of her own eyes and her own eye shape right. by making fun of Asian people. Right. Tiffany Moon is an Asian woman. They've brought her on as kind of a conduit for this other character, Brandy, to relieve her white guilt, which is like not fucking Tiffany's responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad now that the season is going on, Tiffany is kind of expressing that, being like, well, I'm not really here to make you feel good about yourself. That's actually my job. But I just want Brandy to go away. (laughs) Like she used to be really fun, but now it's just like, white guilt tears of right. just being like, oh, you know, cancel culture is really hard. I've been through a lot. I've learned so much through this experience, but it has been really hard. I was like, for fuck's sake, you're still centering yourself yeah. in this moment in which you have affected people in a really negative way, but it's still all about how it has made you feel. Are the words cancel culture is really hard actually sort of said, implied, like the words cancel culture? No, everyone's just talking about uh, what a difficult time she's having. Yeah, yeah. I just I just have a hard time with that concept when you're on a fucking television <laughs> show. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Anything else? Um. Oh, also, uh, there has been a video released recently of Brandy's uh, husband. Uh, don't want to go into too many details, but I will say, uh, her husband is a. F- fuck wit. Uh, He's a piece of shit. Um, I mean, you've got kids, dude. Have some fucking self-respect and respect for your family. You're a piece of shit. Um, So, in that way, I feel bad for Brandy, but also she needs to get off the TV. Okay. Do you want me to go to my next Real Housewives? Please, (laughs) please. If you don't like reality TV, just skip for, I don't know, a solid 15. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, Real Housewives of New Jersey is back, baby. Now, I have loved... New Jersey since its first season. Like it had a fantastic first season. But I'm I've for the last few years I'm I've been thinking, why am I still watching this franchise? Because it's it's in no way enjoyable. 
and has not been for years. Like, for so long, it was really circular. You had a sister and brother family, like, fighting. So then you move on from this in-law fighting and then it just gets really depressing because then everyone just starts going to jail for, like, tax fraud. Oh, shit. And then you just see, like, their kids crying on this reality TV show and it's just way too fucking dark. So I haven't liked it for, for a long time. However, I do enjoy, and I think it is a reason to, if people like me and dropped off, to start watching again, simply for Margaret, who is an incredible addition, has been for the last few years. She gives some of the best talking heads in the biz. She's funny. She's over the top. She feels, you know, her own fabulousness every day. She's got a bizarre but fascinating relationship with her mother and she has no problem standing up for herself, which I like. She's a really good asset for the show. Great bit of comedy. She also sparks some conflict. That's what we want. And same goes for Jennifer, who is someone who, as a person, I find to be truly disgusting. <laughs> like just the worst of the worst. Pure privilege. Um, unkind to her core in a lot of ways. Um, will try to glass a bitch at the drop of a hat. <laughs> I think she's tried to stab someone with a glass maybe three times. Wow. Like, she's really into it. Um, <laughs> and you've got to have your hobbies, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but she's really funny and, yes, creates good conflict. But also something that's really important, and I don't think a lot of housewives realise this, is it's great to start conflict and to milk it for all it's worth. What you don't want to do is make it a 15-episode arc because yeah. it's really boring. Yeah. And so many of them do this. You need conflict for three episodes top. Then you move on, you look good for moving on, you sit back for a couple of episodes and then maybe start another conflict again. Do you think they're all that conscious of what they're doing? Like- no, but um, the people producing them should be. Sure. Yeah, they should be getting better advice, I think, from producers uh, just to keep things fresh. But I'm hoping that we'll move further and further away from the the Judices and the Gorgas and more into this some new blood. Names. Yeah. Well, funny thing about the Judices is that the first few seasons they were – the Judices. Yep. And then they decided they wanted to really embrace their Italian heritage and then became Giudice. Giudice. And Lovely. then after all the, you know, going to jail stuff, just went back to the simple Judice. Yep. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Bit of family history. So the next one is, now it hasn't started yet, but I am so excited because other than Atlanta, New York is my fave franchise of Real Housewives. Season hasn't started yet, but the... Season 13 trailer dropped yesterday or maybe a few days ago from when you're listening to this. Oh, can I say it got me rock fucking hard. We have a new cast member. Her name is Ebony. I think she's going to be fucking great. Looks like she can stand up for herself. Um, She seems highly intelligent, which I think compared to a lot of the other women in New York, namely really two of them, um, that can be really confronting to have someone with a rational mind try to argue against someone who is off the fucking wall. Sure. Um, so that'll be really fun. In fact, we saw a clip of that exact situation where the new housewife, Ebony, was fighting with famously um, hmm, unhinged Ramona. Um, just the most bizarre person I've ever seen on any television show ever. Um, they're having a conversation. Ramona refers to her staff as the help. Ebony <laughs> takes issue with that. Fair enough. 
things escalate um, and then it must be further down the road. They have another discussion in which Ebony Ebony tries to tell Ramona that she's actually gaslighting her, Mm -hmm. which, which is exactly how Ramona fights, to which Ramona responds, no, actually, I think you'll find you're gaslighting me, which I thought was just gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. We also have the return of Heather, which is one of my favorite housewives ever. Um, Well, she's never created her own conflict. She gives really good talking heads, which is another staple you need in every single franchise. You need someone to be able to, you know, be the people's voice, which is exciting because last season they brought in Leah, who became that person. So now we've got two people kind of competing for that role. And I think they're going to have out. Because Leah was really popular last season. And when that happens on your first season and you become a fan favorite, every single time you become a monster, you walk into every scene thinking the audience is going to have your back, which makes you feel like you can do anything. And I think that's going to happen this time. So I, ha- I have a prediction that Leah will become somewhat of a villain in season 13. Do they, do they talk on the show about how they're being perceived by the public no, it's only ever, which is what makes it really good, only ever on the reunions. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. when they're on on the actual show as they're being filmed, you will never see them acknowledge that they are being filmed. Gotcha. Except for if they're having a breakdown or something really serious is happening and that feels really exciting. Like when Lou found out that her fiancé was cheating on her, which is one of the best episodes of Real Housewives history. It's so good. Um, yeah, that's when sh- she like slams the door on them and acknowledges that the camera is there. Right. Which has an audience now. And we're like, oh, I'm part of getting, this. Getting, I am part of this. It's getting real. Yeah, it's getting real, man. Real, real Housewives. Real Housewives. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, generally not. And that's why the reunion is really good because then they can take a step back and then reflect and kind of pick apart all, all these type moving factors that are actually there in the room, but they're not allowed to talk about. Um, what else have we got? Oh, the only sad thing is that in the trailer, we once again see Sonia Morgan, who was such a beautiful character. She's like this, you know, old school socialite would come in with like a champagne and just have fun, liven up any room. The past few seasons, she has been spiraling into like severe substance abuse issues. I think is probably fair to say drunk in every scene. I would allegedly, I think, probably mixing pills and alcohol. So it's that level of drunkenness. Right. Yeah. And I just don't want to see it anymore. It's just a bit sad at this point. I don't mind seeing one season, then they get help and then they go on a journey. I'm all about that. Lou, the Countess, did that a few seasons ago. (laughs) I love when I say some of these things and your eyes just go, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I like that. But Sonia's been doing this for like three or four seasons. So it's just a genuine it's just really problem. Sad now. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to Real Housewives of New York coming back. Next up on the list is not a reality show. In oh my fact, goodness. I know. I've really branched Reality out. check is over. It Checking is. out. Brilliant, Brad. <laughs> you have nailed that one. Um, and it is Soul Opposites. So this is the animated series created by Justin Roiland, who also co-created Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. and also Mike McMahon, who wrote and produced on Rick and Morty. Cool. And this show very much feels a part of that universe. Yeah. You watch it and it feels familiar. <laughs> You're like, okay, this is, I don't know, like a sequel series or something like that. Um, so 
not only does it feel that way, but we also have a set of characters who have scientific capabilities beyond what is found on Earth. Right. So yes. it's kind of, yeah, these people can, well, these aliens can mess around with things the way that those around them simply can't. Yep. Um, and they have a lot of fun playing around with it, um, but oftentimes at the expense of their neighbours, <laughs> their colleagues, all that fun stuff. The human race in general. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, I've watched the first six episodes and I thought that was it, but you're telling me it comes out week to well, week. Well, yeah, it was coming out week to week, though now you've said that, I've seen some articles recently that made me think that maybe that was season one and there's going to be, but there's mm. definitely more coming, I get the feeling. Right. Yeah. Well, I started watching it. I think it was late one night. I was very stressed. I was like, oh, I don't know what to watch. So I popped on Soul Opposites, not actually knowing that it was Justin Roiland at all, mm-hmm. um, but I saw someone tweet about it. I was like, okay, I'll check it out. They tweeted about one specific episode. I was like, okay, that's that looks cool. I need a new animated series. Started watching it and very quickly felt so comfortable, was really enjoying myself. Do you, did you well, I just looked out? up seven episode. The seventh episode is out now, so I'm guessing it's oh, still coming out weekly. Yes. Like it, it would have come out, yeah, as of recording like yesterday. Yeah, yep. cool, awesome. Um, yeah, so I just yeah was very comfortable straight off the bat. Was laughing not as much as I do in Rick and Morty. Sure, but at the same time, I was like, well, this is the first season. Like they're just playing with the genre itself yep. before we really dive into the stuff that I really enjoy about Rick and Morty is how they use that stuff within that genre to play with character. And we don't really know the characters all that well yet, yep. but I have no doubt they have the capabilities to do that. So, the, yeah, I would recommend. The half episode I've seen, mm. yeah, the thing that hits you over the head is similar sort of comedy stylings to Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. The voice actors voice, sound similar yeah. because Justin Roiland is doing a very Rickish impression in mm-hmm. one of the main characters, well, I noticed. Yes, it's sci-fi sort of tomfoolery mm-hmm. in the same vein of Rick and Morty. So, it's got that going for it. But yeah, what I watched, I was also like, oh yeah, this is funny too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cool, that's plenty. Yes. I, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I think if you're kind of twiddling your thumbs waiting for the next season of Rick and Morty to come out, this is a really good way to spend your time. Cool. I, it's pretty. And even if you haven't watched Rick and Morty and that looks a bit too full on, well, this this show has just started, so you can jump on this one. Rick, the thing about Rick and Morty as well is Rick and Morty is just the way it expands exponentially in its ideas and its concepts. Like, I wonder if they can keep this a little more reined in. Yeah. And maybe, like, <laughs> that's the idea. It's like, oh, we got a little bit big with that show. Uh, mm-hmm. It's expanding faster than we can manage. Let's try and keep this one down. Yeah. Uh, anything else you've been watching? Uh, that's it. Oh, that was me. on Disney Plus, by it the way. Was, it's yes. in, in fact, it's part of the new Stars. star section for people outside the US. Mm-hmm. You guys just get this on Disney Plus plus Hulu, I think. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, this is what we get in the UK, Australia, New Zealand, yeah. etc. Uh, we should uh, note that in between recording sessions, some mm-hmm. late-breaking news. Yes. Jessica Walters of Arrest Development and Archer fame has passed away oh. at the age of 80, I think it was. Yeah. R.I.P. Which is very, very sad news. Mm. She was a... I keep saying goddamn pistol. Like, she was so good all the way through. For me, my introduction to her was really Arrest Development. Mine too, yeah. um, As Lucille Bluth. We rewatched the first episode last night. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And just from the first line, just absolutely (laughs) nails that character. Yeah. Pitch perfect. So fabulous. Just Mm. brilliant. And like... Is one of the highlights. You could like it's one of the things. One of those shows, Rest Development. It's like who's my favorite character in that show, and everyone's so well defined and so funny in their own way. Mm-hmm. But you could just as easily be Lucille, and you would be, yep, yeah. legit, hard not to. Yeah, say I that. think she is probably. I think she's 
got the greatest, some of the greatest lines and delivery, and de- that's the thing. Like and the that expression, dry, the timing. Kind of, yeah, I think she's definitely, if not my favorite, like top two. Yeah, 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 um, absolutely. Someone on Twitter, and I can't remember who it was, unfortunately, so I can't. Um give them their due here but someone said tomorrow banana should be ten dollars in her honor i thought that seemed fitting absolutely yeah because we were chatting about this last night and you were saying that you know out of you know older actors who pass away this one probably hits you a little more um yeah than a few others and we're having a chat about that i think i said that you know a lot of when an old actor dies mm. particularly because they're not you know, in our age range. Mm-hmm. So we have that kind of nostalgic affection sure. for them. But with her, it was like we first saw her when we were, what, 14, 15? Yeah, I was in like high school. Yeah, and it was like this great new show. So we have this contemporary affection for her. Like she is so current to us. Yeah. For her to leave, it feels yeah really strange. That's a good way of putting it because even if you came by, say like for instance, Christopher Plummer, Mm. who died recently as well, I paid him as well, he, I came by him through the sound of music and stuff like mm. that. So, obviously, I was a kid. Like, I have nostalgia for that. But it was it was a nostalgia for a younger version of Christopher Plummer. That's not to say he hasn't been great in his older years either. Mm. He was great in, like, Knives Out and stuff like yeah. that. But but Jessica Walters, I came by this part of her career, basically. Yeah. Like, and as far as, like, she was still doing Archer and stuff. Like, mm. she was still going. And, like, Christopher Plummer was too. But, yeah, it is a little different attachment, funnily enough. Well, I mean, this is more about my brain, but when Christopher Plummer died mm. and it was like, what a brilliant career and showed all his, everything he'd done, I didn't associate young Christopher Plummer with old Christopher Plummer. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I just like, I don't, when I watch Sound of Music, I don't picture what that man looks like as an old I was man. I going to say, he actually, I don't think he looks the same. It's like sometimes <laughs> people like, you can like see that steep aggression. I'm like, him in, in, in Sound of Music and him by the time he's in Knives Out, I was like, where was the connection? Mm. I'm missing the middle evolution in the Pokemon line. I don't understand yeah. how that we got here. I also anyway. think like with um, <laughs> conversation, Maggie on. Smith, she has always seemed old to me. She, 100%. And so, I think I'll feel the same way Like when she passes away, like as I did to Jessica Walters. That is something that's really funny. It's not funny, but interesting <laughs> about the Maggie Smith thing though, because mm. they she was aged up makeup-wise in Hook, which is when I first came yeah, by Maggie too. Smith. And then she got younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then I and see like, her in First Wives Club and stuff like that. I'm like- I, yeah, it took me ages to realise I was the same woman from Hook yeah. and First Wise Club. Yeah. yeah, and now, like, she's, yeah, probably getting close to what she was like in um, <laughs> in Hook now. Uh, some stuff I've been watching. I won't uh, dwell on some of these too long. In fact, some of these are just updates. I'm into the final season of Mad Men, um, which is exciting. It's only taken me over a year to get here. But, like, watching an episode or two. I mean, that's two- not old. Like, that's not. Anything new for us, though. To take this long. It takes so long to True. finish the season. And the thing is, like, we'll get into... We'll watch an episode here or there, maybe a couple of weeks, Steph and I. Mm. Um, and But then I've got to watch all the stuff we're doing for the podcast around it. So, getting a consistent flow has been hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but really enjoying it. And one thing I really liked in the last episode recently, and nothing spoilerish here, but earlier on, I think between season three and four, I said, I love there was a big status quo shift. Mm-hmm. And coming into this last season, there's been another one. And I'm just like... I love when a show does this, understands how to just move the furniture a little bit to get some different dynamics and stuff happening, to push mm. some characters into different positions, to make them 
to make some new um, sort of tension start to arise. So I'm really enjoying that. I'm looking forward to watching the rest of that. Um, I've been dabbling with Disney Plus and um, the new Star Channel side of things. Mm. One of Steph's favourite shows is Bob's Burgers, mm. um, the animated series. But that has been hard to find in Australia. It sort of comes out in dribs and drabs here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it arrived on Disney Plus, like every season up to date, I'm pretty sure, maybe not the very latest season yet, mm. um, but the vast majority of it, and there are multiple seasons, like 10 or 12 seasons, something like that now. Um, she was able to sort of catch her way back up to where she was, and I've started watching it with her. It's a very good, like, wind down after dinner sort of show. Just watch 22 minutes of something that's really quite fun. What I'm loving about it is I often, everyone, especially people from our generation, are sad that The Simpsons sort of has not continued to be as great as it was. Mm-hmm. It's been fun on Disney Plus to go back and watch early seasons and remember the heart that show had before it started to just shove different celebrities into every se- <laughs> um, episode yeah. and have Homer hit his head a lot. Although he was doing that a little bit earlier you know, as well. But And then Family Guy always sort of seemed to run with the, the satiristic, over-the-top humour part of The Simpsons. Extended gags. Extended gags and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it didn't necessarily, again, find the heart, the family heart stuff mm-hmm. um, that I always loved about The Simpsons when you revisit it. Bob's Burgers is that. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily always as laugh out loud funny, though I laugh a lot watching Bob's I Burgers. I well, yeah. But most importantly, I just think I really like that family dynamic and they nailed that side of things. There was an episode recently about one of Bob's birthdays where Linda forgets his birthday and then is trying to come up with a surprise party to make up for it or something. And the the resolution at the end of it was just genuinely so sweet. I was like, mm. oh, this is lovely. Yeah. I really, really like this show. And this was like season eight or something like yeah. this. Um, so I'm going to have to go back and watch the whole thing from the beginning, I think. bit like I have to do that with Broad City still. Mm. And I've seen probably 50% of that show. <laughs> And that's, there's not heaps and heaps, but I'll get to it eventually. But yeah, Bob's Burgers is really, really good. Mm. And I've been sleeping on that one. So that was a mistake. Yeah, I was, I've seen maybe the first four seasons of Bob's Burgers. Mm-hmm. And then, but like you said, in Australia, it was really hard to get hold of. Yeah. So once you're not thinking about it regularly, then you just kind of forget about it. But I've actually started watching it again from the start as well. Yeah. Nice. I think there's a new show from the creators as well Great North or Great White North or something like that. It's got Nick Offerman and some other people in it. I think I remember reading about that, but I haven't watched it. I've just recently started. I'm not sure if we can find that on Disney Plus here or mm. where that's hiding. Uh, just out of interest, as I was scanning through Disney Plus also, I decided to watch the first episode of a show called Dog with a Blog. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dog with a Blog. Amazingly enough, I have not. No. <laughs> it's essentially, it's just, you know, one of those Disney Channel style sitcom shows. Mm-hmm. The difference here being that they family has a dog that can talk. Cool. <laughs> I don't know why I decided to watch this Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting for an explanation. Brian. I only made it halfway through, but the reason I bring it up is because it's possibly one of the most, it's from like early 2010s, I think it started or something okay. like that. Yeah. Maybe even a little bit earlier. And it the the an, facial animation on the dog to make him talk mm-hmm. is utterly terrifying. <laughs> it's it's not just that the mouth movements; it's the ridiculously over the top eyebrow movements mm-hmm. they somehow make him do to make him have an expression. 
it's really unsettling. So Fabulous. if you're looking for something just to like give you nightmares, I recommend watching mm. the pilot of Dog with a Blog on Disney Plus. Are you okay, bro? What's going on at home? Hmm? Um, something we did go and see though, and you can also check this out on Disney Plus. The premium thing you pay extra for it mm. is Raya and the Last oh, I Dragon. I thought we'd seen that. Yeah, we we did. saw that the cinemas a couple of weeks ago. We did. This is the new Disney animated 3D animated feature, um, starry mm-hmm. Kelly Marie Tran. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it is sort of based on Southeast Asian like culture and myths. It's about this young woman who's got to repair the world and bring it back together by getting these individual pieces of a crystal. And there's a mm-hmm. whole backstory and thing to it. I would say if you're a fan of Avatar Last Airbender or Korra, The Legend of Korra, you're going to find some of this stuff familiar plot-wise at the very least. Mm. Uh, and just design-wise as Design-wise, well. wise, there were a few things I was like, is that a nod or are you just genuinely ripping Yeah, I was confused. I'm like, is that Korra? a nice little like, we see you or is yeah. it just someone who hasn't... Yeah, anyway. Um, it's more of an action film. It's not a musical like other Disney animated mm-hmm. films have been recently. So it's more close to a Pixar film in that regard, I guess. Uh, how'd you find it? <laughs> I didn't like it. You didn't like it at all? No. As soon as it finished, I was like, it's, I feel like they came up with a theme and then I feel like they had a story and then they smacked a theme on top of it. Sure. Because the story is in great conflict with the theme they're trying to shove down your throat. Sure. I recently watched an honest trailer from the Mm. guys at... um, Film Junkie, whoever that one, that those guys are. Anyway, the honest trailer for Ray the Last Dragon, it's very spoilery, so if you haven't seen the film, you might not want to watch it. Mm. But it did a really good job, I thought, of summarising yeah. our general problems with it, which just thematically, mm. it does not match up what happens on screen, what the actual events take place, yes. and the theme. And the that, lesson and learned the lesson at the end. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Everything you're telling me is contradictory to that lesson. Yes. Which I find a little bit frustrating. Mm. I also think it's a shame that I didn't think anyway that um, it's obviously like almost like a road trip film. Mm. Um, And so with that, you need the two leads to have really great chemistry. And I don't believe that they did. But the two leads being Kelly and Tran. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And that's obviously probably being recorded in isolation or like – in certain circumstances, perhaps, yeah. so they can't bounce off each other. Yep. But I thought it was a real shame because I like both of them, but together those characters just, I don't know, didn't work for me together as a unit. There's a lot of things about it's like it's it's uh, their backhanded compliments. It's like it was beautiful in a lot of respects, but sometimes mm. I found like we weren't spending enough time in places to really get a feel for one place or another. Mm-hmm. It was like the world was, yeah, obviously beautiful, but I, I don't know. I didn't connect with it as much as I thought I would. Um some of the stuff that I take for granted, I think, with Disney animated films just wasn't happening. And I mostly believe it's just because there's seemingly a lot of plot. The mm. villains are pati- like the the bad guy, the supernatural bad guy elements are really boring mm. in their design and stuff. Um, the, we don't get to connect with this more bigger ensemble cast in any way. I, it was trying to be funny and I didn't find it funny really yeah. at any point. I think I maybe sneered once. Like, that was about it. I don't think I laughed at all. Yeah. I remember you saying that as we were driving home, and I was like, what did you laugh at? I yeah. thought the action was good, and there was, a, like, there was sometimes they do, like, a shot or, like, a setup would be really, really good. Mm. Um, but I don't know. It didn't, it did, I don't know. It just didn't all really come together in a way that I thought yeah. was particularly satisfying. I was disappointed. I was really looking forward to it. Yeah, me but too. I think I'll just rewatch Dragon Prince. 
Yeah, Red Dragon Prince or Avatar or like... I'm just trying to think of other Disney animated films I've seen recently. I think I enjoyed Moana a lot more. I definitely enjoyed Zootopia a lot more. Like those were much stronger for me than Raya was. Mm. So sort of in how this goes for... If you're looking for something to go to the cinemas with your kids with, this would actually probably be a good time. That's you're not going to have a bad time doing yeah. it. I reckon kids will really like the adventure. Um, I reckon, though, if you've got Disney Plus and you're thinking, do I pay $30 to watch this at home? Maybe wait a couple of months until it's mm-hmm. free on the service. I don't think you need to rush out, which has actually been the case so far with everything they've released um, that way on Disney Plus. Uh, between for you, yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't paid for any of them yet because none of them have ended up being good enough. Well, to... yeah, I did for Mulan as soon as it came out because yeah. I was so excited, and we were in the middle of our really intense lockdown. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Fuck yeah, new film!" I, and I love Mulan the animated series, mm-hmm. but uh, that obviously didn't work out well for me. So, <laughs> major well, regrets. You're the reason I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also watched Assembled: The Making of WandaVision, which is the little uh, documentary on the making of Marvel's WandaVision on mm-hmm. Disney Plus. Uh, cute. Not all that insightful, ultimately. It was yeah. fun to sort of see them enjoying themselves doing the stuff in front of a live studio audience in episode one, mm. in particular. Um, what it meant to sort of try and recreate those sets and costumes and the music in particular I thought was really fun. That They had mm. the... Um, the composers talking a lot about making the different theme songs for the oh, episodes cool. and stuff. Yeah. And that's fun. It, it's cute and a good time if you really enjoyed the show. Um, and you just want to spend a bit more time with Paul Bettany and um, Elizabeth Olsen. I think you're probably going to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It didn't... I thought they might, you know, throw a few little, like, talk, discuss some of the more controversial elements or interesting... Um, yeah, I think they wanted to actually avoid spoilers in a big way, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So... Discussions we get with certain actors that I won't name for spoiler reasons are very brief. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there's not much there beyond just, oh, cool, they had a good time making this and it looks like it was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. this is the craft that went into it a little bit. So, that's a good time if you're looking for that. Um, I also watched a new documentary series on Amazon Prime called Making Their Mark, um, which if you're a long-time listener of the show, you know I'm a massive fan of the Richmond Tigers in um, the Australian sport of AFL, Australian Rules Football. Um, and this is a seven episode, hour long episodes oh documentary God, series Brad. on Amazon, <laughs> all about the AFL 2020 season. It follows. Oh, okay. It follows. That's more interesting than what I was expecting. Sure. It follows six different groups, essentially. There's 18 teams in the AFL. So obviously, uh, listen, just scroll ahead in the thing five minutes if you're not into sport or AFL. Or, yeah, it's or, like with me in reality check, it's fine. Sure. People will skip. Um, yeah, Aussie Rules football for people who are international is a very different game. You don't see it anywhere else in the world. So it can be it's a great little introduction to the sport, I think, as well. Um, but it follows people from six different teams of the 18 teams that play, um, including the sort of leadership group of the Richmond Tigers, who are my team. Um, and obviously it was a very interesting season because right as the season was starting, like literally the week of round one, mm. COVID restrictions started hitting in Australia. This is in March last year. And all of a sudden, there was no crowds at the first round. They played the first round, but there were no crowds at any of the stadiums. Mm -hmm. And then after round one, we went on hiatus for like two or three months before we came back and they reshaped the whole season and sort of made it all happen by pretty much pushing the whole league into one state in Queensland and just keeping them in these hotel bubbles Mm -hmm. um, and then making them play each other and mostly in one state and then had the final series up there, which never happens. It always happens in our home state of Victoria at the MCG. Mm -hmm. And so if nothing else, if you're not even into football, it was just interesting to sort of be reminded of how this all started. So like the first episode in particular, when 
COVID, there's almost like a whisper in the background of COVID, mm. right? And people are talking about it and everyone's got an opinion on it. Everyone's like, oh, everyone will just get it and, you know, it'll mm-hmm. affect a few people, but, it, you know, it's most people like will be fine. Flu. It'll just be a yeah. cold or whatever. Very intelligent, respectable people whose opinions and understanding changes later because they understand it better. Yeah. You hear them saying stupid things now. That if you heard someone saying it, would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. But we didn't know any better. <laughs> yeah, and then the discussion of like, oh, this will just be six weeks. You know, we'll be back to this soon. It'll be fine. Mm. And then like, it was very... Uh, it was really helped me to return back to what that felt like at the time. It was actually quite emotional, the first episode. Mm. Um, but there's lots of other things that get talked about in there. Eddie Betts is a prolific ca- um, player in the AFL. He plays for the Carlton Blues. Um, he's known as probably the most popular player in the AFL. He's also an Indigenous Australian. And him was having to deal with some racist bullshit, which seems to happen every season, mm-hmm. talking about that experience. In Pl- this racist country? Yeah. What are you talking about? Who would have thought, huh? Um, having to deal with having to leave their families for extended periods to play mm. a sport and whether that's a good thing or not. Like, all sorts of things like that are in there. Um, it's very fond of the sport. So, <laughs> if you want something that's a little bit more critical of the, you know, the bad side of the sport, mm-hmm. you might not find it here. But I had a do really I good time with it. Do I have to see Eddie Maguire's face at all? I don't think you do, actually. Oh, thank God. If it's, it, they don't follow Collingwood at all. So, you don't see him. If you do, it's very brief. But I don't mm. remember. It was not following him directly. Mm. Um, yeah. It was interesting conversations on leadership and resilience and um, yeah, all sorts of good stuff in there. And mm. you get to see what how my beloved team went on to win two flags in a row and uh, <laughs> overcome the odds to have a, the last episode, the last 30 minutes is just like porn for me. Just <laughs> just the behind the scenes footage of like halftime addresses from the coach. You know, we're down by a few goals. We're sort of got beaten up in the second um, quarter and watching him address the team. And I think we... The funny thing was, when that game happened, there are people I know who are involved with the club in different ways I was talking to on Twitter, and they were saying, just wait for this documentary, because I know the camera crew was in the mm. in the rooms during that thing. And everyone's like, oh, I can't wait to see the spray that Dimmer gives him. He's going to rip through them. And the, the talk he gives them is so not that... Mm. Um, yeah, it's great stuff. If you're if you're into sports doco stuff, yeah, you and you're just curious about AFL. If you're an AFL fan, I definitely recommend checking it out. Um, that actually reminds me, just in terms of watching things that were occurring in 2020. Yes, like Drag Race UK has a great episode where they kind of talk to the queens at home. Yeah, and like they obviously were told to keep filming themselves during their lockdown and stuff. And it was just like, at first I was like, oh, do I really want to watch COVID stuff? But it was a nice little reminder of like how weird it all felt at the yeah. very beginning. Yeah. In fact, one of the one of the really interesting and heartbreaking moments in the series is when Brendan Gale, the president of Richmond, is having to, because he's one of the only really leadership groups they follow, is mm. having to make decisions about like laying people off. Yeah. Because without crowds, there's no revenue and they need to keep the, the club afloat and so they have to like halve their staff in some ways Jeez. and like you see him at the end of a zoom call where he's basically telling people they don't have jobs anymore and like just how hard you can, they, we don't get to see their reactions those people because mm-hmm. it's a private thing yeah but that's not easy for him You're like he's built this team around him he's close with his staff and stuff you imagine and having mm. to tell them they have, like things I like that, that was before job keeper was announced and stuff it wasn't necessarily like um, they may have been getting JobKeeper, yeah. but they didn't have their other roles anymore. Like yeah. whole things. Mm. Anyway, oh, you might find it 
interesting. You might find it inherently boring. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, also, Sorry, t- what platform was that that's on? That's on Amazon, Amazon. Amazon Prime. Yeah, I you. believe it's available internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see why it wouldn't be. Uh, Taskmaster Series 11 has started. I've only mm. watched the first episode so Ooh. far. We've got some new contestants there. Would I lie to you? Co-host Lee Mack, Fresh Meat actor Charlotte Ritchie, stand-up comedian Jamali Maddox, Man Down actor Mike Mosniak, and Australian comedian Sarah Kendall. Um, first episode was very good. I'm going to watch that this morning. Thank you for the recommendation. That's all right. There'll be two episodes out now. In fact, I need to watch the second episode myself. I'll uh, wait to watch the second with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, they they need to do a lot to tell me to impress me. They're better than last season because I still love series ten so much. I started rewatching. I still don't it the think other day. I've watched that. Ooh, oh, I need to watch that. So good. But I'm uh, I'm particularly impressed with. I didn't know Mike Mos Mosniak. Yeah, I believe that's his name. Um, he instantly, I think, is very funny mm, and just okay. a lot of fun to watch. Cool. Um, so, yeah, if you're into Taskmaster, know that season, Series 11 has started. There was also a, a special New Year's episode that was a bit of fun too. It had um, – who's the main actress from Derry Girls? Um, I don't know her name. Sorry. Neither do I, but she was one of the contestants. It was just a fun little one-off mm. and it was, it was cute. It was a nice way to start the New Year, that's for sure. Finally, you and I sat down mm. to watch – the oh. long-awaited, oh. Is it happening? the fabled it is. Are we talking about it? We okay. are. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Oh, release, my God. Hashtag release the Snyder It cut. has been released. The Kraken has been released. Mm-hmm. It's out there. It's one of those things I really assumed was never going to happen. You know, I still think it was fabled. I, the fact I mean, that they had to invest I still 70- think of it as a hilarious joke. Yeah. <laughs> the fact they had to invest $70 million plus potentially million dollars <laughs> Uh, to get this thing finished, suggests there was no finished or final cut. In fact, the way we get the cut suggests it was at best an yep. assemble cut of some sort. Yes, when people said it didn't exist, it's because it didn't fucking exist. I mean, obviously, he shot a lot of stuff. He probably had assembly cuts made. Yeah. But that was it. Yes. And, like, it was a tragedy what happened and... In terms of what happened with his family, yes, and he left course. the project, and it's obvious that DC wanted any excuse to get rid of him because they wanted to change the direction of DCU and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of the campaign to get it this Snyder cut released. Um, there was a lot of toxicity around it. Yeah, in a weird man babies, man babies having a big tantrum. Yeah, entitled, abusive, all sorts of things. However, there were legitimate people who were not like that who wanted to see what this was. That's true. And now that it's out, there is no doubt that it is at least a curiosity mm-hmm. to be able to see what the uh, general idea... I, again, this movie, when you watch it, does not represent what the movie we got in cinemas was. No, there's no way. There's no way that's true. It resembles in a lot of ways, but there's no way this would have been the final version. This four-hour thing? No. The four-hour th- No. Definitely not, but it does give you a general idea of what the tone and what it would have looked like in a very broadest broad sense compared to what we got from 2017 once they got Joss mm. Whedon onto it and then reduced its runtime to two hours or just under. Uh, you haven't watched the original Justice League from 2017, have you? No, never was interested. No. Um, what did you make of then? Oh, but you had seen, sorry, Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman? Yes. And what did you think of those two films? I, Man of Steel, I was like, this is not a good Superman film. I'm not enjoying it. Sure. But I was like, 
some people seem to get a kick out of it, whatever. I don't I was like, I don't like this dark and broody thing that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um but I was like, whatever, some people really like that. I mean, I also just don't really like um Nolan's Batman either. Sure. So but I think they're good films. I just don't like that type of superhero. Sure. Don't find them interesting. Um so I was like, Oh, that's fine, whatever, just not for me. That's all good. And then I watched Batman v Superman and I was like, This is one of the worst if not the worst superhero film in recent times, superhero film I've ever seen. It's truly awful. I stand by that to this day. Yeah, it is an absolute mess. If I apply my brain to it for a second, Mm. I'm instantly reminded of so many awful choices. Yes, agreed. Awful choices. Like, I just, you know, if I don't like something, I can often be like, I don't like it for very personal reasons. Sure doesn't mean that those who do like it are wrong. But I think those who like Batman v Superman are wrong. <laughs> like, I think it's just a really badly put together film. Well, I'll put it this way. You, I think you can like Batman v, v, Batman v Superman. I think it's very hard to argue. That Obviously, it's a good everyth- film. Everything yeah. is subjective, but I think it's very hard to argue that it's a good movie. There are bad films that I like. If that makes sense, mm. but I but do you understand that they're bad though? Yes, yes, yes. yes. It's but the I people do who don't bad. understand that they're bad and just like no, no, this is. I don't want to be that patronizing, but the greatest. I truly believe it is a bad movie. It is a bad movie. Yeah, it is very bad. Um, so that were my opinions of those films. But I I knew DC was doing something very different. I thought a lot of what they're doing felt really rushed and messy. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say that in the future. If it f- if the story felt right, if the story made sense and it was a good film, that I wouldn't just jump back right on board again and be like, sure. okay, well now I'm into DC stuff. But that just hasn't happened yet. So having only seen those first two films and not seen the original mm. Justice League, and obviously I quite enjoyed cuts. Wonder Woman except for the third act. Right. Yeah. How did you find Zack Snyder's Justice League? Hmm. I've written a little thing. Can I just? Yeah, please. Um. Yeah, so it wasn't as bad as I was expecting because obviously I had my yeah <laughs> I had my opinions at the beginning um, about perhaps how bad it was going to be, and you and I watched it together because I thought, mm-hmm. well, this is going to be hilarious because it's going to be so so bad, um, and that's that's not what happened. No, it really wasn't close to how bad I was expecting. It's it definitely to be. better than Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I thought the film was fine. Um, there is no excuse that it should be a four-hour film. Um, it was clearly was originally intended to be a shortcut to create a team without having to dedicate years and multiple films to building characters, um, which is hilarious because ultimately that's what they've had to do anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. I w- the sad thing is it's so long and not good enough to justify how long it is that I, I just don't think I'll ever rewatch it. No, that's one of the things that's interesting about this too is the chances of me rewatching this ever. The funny thing, I actually have scrubbed through it a couple of times to check out particular scenes because I've been absorbing a lot of other mm. people talking about it too because mm-hmm. it's such a uh, a curiosity from a pop culture perspective mm-hmm. that I'm interested in what people's sort of feelings about it are. Um, but I can never see myself watching the entire thing again. It's too it's too unwieldy and long yeah, for that. Absolutely. All right. So um, one point I just rose like I thought the cyborg stuff was good and yep. I can see why Snyder would be upset that they cut. And Ray that. Fisher. Yeah, it's like a really central part to what he clearly wanted to do with the 
film. And I think it's pretty important, obviously, to his vision. Sure. So I'm glad they had the opportunity to put all that cyborg stuff in Agreed. there. Um, I also enjoyed the Flash stuff as yes. well. Um, I, In fact, I think his scenes with his dad are the few that have any recognisable and relatable human emotion to them. Sure. So I thought they were really important. They were like, I thought there were some really nice performances in those scenes with Flash and his dad. And I think I was like, you know, slightly emotional in quite a few of them. I thought they were really good. Um, unfortunately, though, I still had many moments of picking apart the logic yeah. to a character's actions, which makes the movie, to me, not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it makes me feel, if I'm watching a film and I'm picking apart the logic and not wanting to, but it's right there on the surface to be like, why is that happening? Mm-hmm. When I'm doing that, it makes me feel, and I this probably isn't accurate, but it makes me feel like I have thought about character motivation more than the creators have, Yeah, which is bizarre considering how much time and attention this cut of the film has had and its different iterations as well. Sure. Like, it, it just, it's bizarre to me that there are still huge logic flaws in this film that has been given so much time. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it, the four hour this version compared to especially when you compare it to the twenty seventeen version, it almost feels closer to a like a Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. epic. Yeah, um, it's going for something more like that, and in some places it achieves that. I think I can mm-hmm. see if that was the vision to make it feel grand and epic in that scale, and they were building this series over five films or apparently planned in Snyder's head to get to that place. You can sort of see what they were doing. Mm. The problem is what they forget in Lord of the Rings is so successful at is the character work is so good, which yes. is why the rest of it works. That's the bit it just doesn't, never gets close to. Although mm-hmm. I agree with you that Cyborg and Flash get a pretty decent shake of it in this. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are lots of bits of this that I think were more successful. Some of the action was more successful. I actually don't think it's a particularly good looking film. I, I, he has an eye for like framing and spectacle and those sorts of things. But mm. a lot of the time I was left going, that actually is an ugly, ugly frame. Maybe some of it is that because they're coming at it late, the, the money they're putting towards it from a visual effects perspective mm. is not there and it doesn't Have quite reach it. Have you seen all that it, stuff about the black and white cut? There's a black and white cut coming as well. It's apparently going to have another, potentially another version of the ending scene. Apparently that was his original intention to have it in black and white. Yeah. This is what I mean though. Mm. The, okay. Let's talk about this for a second. The four <laughs> by three framing is absurd. <laughs> and it, it is the best expression of what is wrong with this movie uh, in that it is hilarious. indulgent Beyond the point. So, I, let me put it this way. It's starting oh, to feel uh, not this bad, but a little George Lucasy, in which he just kind of is well, getting everything he wants, and sometimes he just shouldn't. However, the argument is that this is not the theatrical release. This is a director's cut specifically to to indulge yes, the director, right? True. And so, yeah. we do have to give it some leeway that that's what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's giving the fans what they wanted, which is Zack Snyder's vision, and all of it, apparently. Um <laughs> The epilogue is terrible. If you watch the movie, I would suggest just not watching any of it because it is totally absurd and awful and almost ruins the movie just by existing. It doesn't make any sense being there. Mm-hmm. The I think the cl- the climactic battle is in some ways better, in a lot of ways better than it was in the original. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that will always be wrong about what... Zach- the problem probably it was always that from Inception, Zack Snyder was never the person to shepherd this series through if they were trying to create a, a cinematic universe. Mm. His instincts on Batman and Superman specifically are fucking 
awful. <laughs> they are awful. Mm. And I understand the idea that's like, oh, let someone else have a different version of it. But I just don't think he understands the characters on any sort of human level to make them an interesting version of these sorts of alternate versions. Yeah, that we don't got. really just- get a... A real version of either of them. Like there's but we've had so three movies. Yeah, there's so little there, which is shocking. Yeah. Mm. I'll put it this way. I rewatched the 2017 version after we watched Mm-mm. this Zack Snyder version as well. And that movie is super flawed in so many ways. It mm. is trying to take what is like 50 plus percent of most of the film is, is Zack Snyder's original stuff mm-hmm. with very specific scenes and shots peppered in from Joss Whedon to sort of patch holes and add some levity and humour and stuff in there. Mm. And it doesn't work because the film was never originally shot to be that way. In fact, it wasn't incepted that way from mm-hmm. Man of Steel through Batman vs Superman. So it's this hodgepodge of very different tones that doesn't come together. Yeah, But there are some things about the theatrical version that instinctually, because I think whatever you think about Joss Whedon, at least as a writer, he understands basic, like, how to create an arc, how mm-hmm. to create a three-act structure, how to, like, how to bring things better in a thematic way much better. And instinctually, he's able to go, well, that thing wasn't working. It's a it's a patchwork way of doing it, but I'm going to make this thing happen a little bit differently to at least make it feel earned in some way. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff like that happens. Yeah. That I, while the execution is not as good and Joss Whedon is nowhere near as visually, visually interesting as Zack Snyder is, he his instincts are right. And so, what you have are two very flawed films mm. with six hours of footage, some of it shared, but, you know, somewhere around the five-hour mark of footage that someone who is much better than both of these... That someone who's got the talent could direct, I think, a very good Justice League film in there. <laughs> Maybe not a very good That's one. That's what we need, but, another cut. Uh, but a good one. No, but dead set though, yeah. if you take the good stuff from the theatrical release mm-hmm. and the good stuff from the Zack Snyder cut and take away the excess rubbish mm-hmm. in both of them, yeah. get rid of some of the awful jokes from the original, get rid of... The four by three aspect ratio and choices on like costume colors and stuff, for instance, like just oh, yeah. things like that, yeah. the excess rubbish, you would have, I think, a pretty good Justice League movie nice. in there. Can I just say on the epilogue, I don't understand why it's attached to this film, but in concept, I'm excited by the idea. If that was the film, Oh, I. Then I, I would probably, I'd probably check that one out. But in terms of it being a part of this film, I just like haven't you spent enough money? Why are we shooting this? Yeah, I don't. I don't hate the idea. Mm. I don't like the way they're getting there, or mm-hmm. the, the, just that scene at the end, which was a which is wasn't even like that is something that Zack Snyder has now done. He's gone back and reshot that mm. as like a gift to the fans to say, I wanted these these characters to meet in my films at some stage. I'm not going back to this universe anymore, although now there's a hashtag for uh, reboot or restate the Snyderverse or whatever it is. Mm. Great. Um, that they filmed it for the sake of filming it as like a preview of what might have come, but what we get, it's nonsensical and awful. <laughs> It's just, 
it's it should mm. it's 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 the best example of the indulgence. Yeah. Again, which you might forgive them for because this is again a pop culture curiosity. It's just an insight into the mind of a director who wasn't able to get the film he envisioned made, was taken away from him and then chopped to bits. And people who were invested in that universe wanted to see that and fair enough. I'm mm-hmm. glad for them, especially yeah. the ones who weren't dicks about it. And as a from someone who's interested in film, it's a very interesting thing to watch once. There's no fucking way I'm ever going to watch it again. Mm-hmm. Not from start to finish anyway. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that? Absolutely not. Good. We're done. Thanks for <laughs> listening to this episode of Off Topic Hot Topic. We'll be back next week with our review of Succession Season 1. Woo-hoo. Catch you later. Bye.